Our scripture this morning comes from Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 24. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I had the joy of growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And one of the things I loved about living in the area was spending time in the city and by the Golden Gate Bridge. And every time you go to the Golden Gate Bridge, there is hundreds of sailboats on the water. And throughout the years, I had the opportunity to, to watch world-class races that would take place under the Bay Bridge and the Golden Gate Bridge. And one of the things that you learn about these racers as they talk about their experience in, in racing their sailboats is how exhilarating it is, how they're always racing to win. They're always trying to maneuver in a place where they're catching the full wind and taking advantage of going ahead in the race. They talk about the incredible struggle along the journey of racing their sailboats. And they talk about when we are in that race, we know the course set ahead. We know exactly where we need to go. And they say it's the most exciting when you turn that final corner and you're coming around, and you're getting at above 30 knots, going full sail, and you see the finish line in sight. There's no greater feeling than that. Full sail, there's the finish line. I think this is the way Paul lived his life. He lived his life as one who sets an example for us of living full sail, for Jesus, full sail for his kingdom and how he ministered. And I wanted to point out two verses in our passage this morning that we're looking at, verse 20 and verse 26. Let me read those for you. You know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public from house to house. And verse 26 I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, and I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. 
that term, I did not shrink. It can have a variety of meanings. It can have the idea that I did not withdraw or I I did not back away. But I want to give you the context. I want to set the stage. Here's Paul. He calls the Ephesian elders to come to the beach, to the harbor in Miletus. And there he gathers the elders from Ephesus, and they're right in the harbor where the sailboats are. And oftentimes, to shrink away can have the meaning, it's a metaphor for, I did not let my sail down. I did not shrink away. I didn't take my sail down. I didn't stow it away. And like Jesus, I think probably pointing at the sailboats. I never in my life, as I'm living for the kingdom of God, as I'm living for Christ, I never let my sail down. I always was living for the Lord. Paul continually testified, and he lived, and he shepherded, and he loved full sail all the time. And in this passage, we're going to see how he sets an example in his past ministry, in his present life serving the Lord, and his future life, and for the elders as a shepherd living full sail. What does that mean, to live full sail? What does that look like for us as followers of Jesus Christ? And as we go through this passage this morning, I want us to be thinking about these things of living full sail. That my life is completely and utterly dependent upon Jesus. It's new covenant living. There's nothing I accomplish without the Lord living through my life. There's nothing spiritual that's going to take place that's going to have any benefit. I live completely dependent, full sail, dependent on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I live full sail with a life that is, that is filled with a radical obedience and a surrender to Jesus. This amazing trust in our Lord and Savior, that's full sail living. To live full sail as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of our Lord, means to live in righteousness, that we desire to live to please God in righteousness, in holiness, set apart unto Him. That we are receiving full sail wind as we are being conformed into the image of Christ. That's what it means to live full sail that we live full sail, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That he died on the cross for our sin, that he rose again. And I will continue to live full sail, letting you know if you believe upon him, you shall be saved, you shall have life. Full sail. Full sail living means that we're living, being led by the Holy Spirit. Our sail is hoisted, and now we receive the wind of the Holy Spirit, living full sail. And finally, I see in this passage, living full sail 
is that we are sold out glorifying God with our lives. We are sold out. Our purpose is that Jesus would be known. Our purpose is that our lives would glorify Him, that we are living for Him, that we recognize we are no longer our own. We're bought with a price. Full sale. How are you living? Let's pray that the Spirit would do that work in us this morning. Heavenly Father, we, um, we even wake up this morning and, and uh, we're so centered on us, ourselves. And yet our life is not our own, and our life uh, belongs to you. And I know we desire in this room, we desire to live for you. And so, Father, help us to do that. Give us the, the power of your Holy Spirit. The wind. Lead us, Father, and, and help us to follow. We want to follow in a radical obedience to you. And so do that work in us, I pray. Thank you for Paul, who sets an example that every day was sold out for you. Forgive us when we just waste time doing nothingness. When there's people who need to be loved by us. There's people who need to know you. And Father, we want to know you more. And so help us to, again, receive you and hear from you. Help us to draw close to you. We want to live full sail, Jesus. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Full sail gospel. Verse 17, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come with him, to come over to him. Here's the thing, Paul needed community. He wasn't a lone ranger out there. And we talk about this a lot in this church. Stop trying to live life on an island. Don't try to say, you know, well, I really, I really enjoy the Lord in the mountains, and that's where I have church, and that's where I have my spiritual life. He never created you that way. You're created for community. God is a God of relationship. So much of the scriptures are one another's. One another's. Forgive one another. Love one another. We need community to have that. Paul needed it. And so he calls his elders over from Ephesus. And we see there that there is this beautiful plurality of leadership, which is what we do in this church. It's not about this hierarchy, this wonderful giftedness, each, each elder gifted, but I need you, help me run this race. I want to speak some things to you about, about what life is going to look like in the church family. I want to strengthen you, but I also need you to strengthen me. There was constant attack upon Paul when he was ministering in Ephesus and actually all around Asia Minor. Remember, there was a whole group of Jews that just wanted to kill him, take him out. And while he was gone for a little bit, they continued to slander him and, and they would speak things like, can we really trust Paul and what he's saying? Is he really speaking truth? Is he sincere? What's he all about? He seems to, seems to flee away at times. He doesn't really enter in with us. And so Paul is always having to combat this. 
there's a narrative out there that's totally opposite of what's actually true. You ever have narratives about your life and you just go, that is so not true. (laughs) That is so opposite of actually what's taking place. That was happening to Paul pretty much daily. And so he gathers his elders to one, sort of defend himself, but also to remind them, this is what you're going to face. You're going to face this constant attack. I want to remind you of who I am and, and how I've lived in the Lord. He's going to bring his character on trial and lay it right before him. And he really comes with a humble heart, and he's like, hey, listen, I, I think I, you can picture the scene on the beach. Listen, I'm messy. I'm messy just like the rest of you guys. But you know that I've been living for the Lord. You know this. Let me, let me set the example of what it means to live for the Lord, for the body of Christ. Verse 18, he says, You know I came to you. You yourselves know I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. I lived among you the whole time. He had a ministry of presence, didn't he? And we've talked about that in this church. One of the greatest things that you can do for one another is just have a ministry of presence. Just be with each other. You don't have to have all the answers. Just be with one another. Show up when people are hurting. Show up just to be a friend. Ministry of presence. I was with you all the time. And verse 19 goes on, And I served the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. I served you with humility. Paul was an apostle. He could have come in with full authority, just laying down the law. This is what it means. This is what you must do. No, he didn't do that. He spent time getting to know the people. He spent time just sharing life together, breaking bread together, letting them know how much they're loved by Jesus and by him. He was humble in his approach. He didn't throw out great pride. He didn't have this agenda to promote himself. And with a lot of tears, I was with you. There was struggle in the journey. Tears from joy of of new believers tears from just the the anguish that people would not come and receive Jesus Christ. Tears because of the attack of the Jews upon him. Tears reflect a beautiful vulnerability, doesn't it? When When we cry in front of each other, it's a real gift to the other. It's a transparency. It's a real love for each other. This is a safe place for me to cry. We need to be able to cry with each other. Vulnerable. Transparent. Stop trying to play it so safe that you've got it all together. Because here's the truth. We just don't. We just don't. And so let each other know where you're weak, where you're struggling, where you're hurting. Don't hold your cards close. Lay them all down. I did not shrink, I didn't lower my sail, verse 20, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. What did I testify about? 
repentance towards God, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. My sail was full in this way. That was my ultimate end. To lead people into repentance and now to live out their faith. I lived in a way declaring to you anything that was profitable. That has the idea that it would benefit your spiritual life. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the good stuff. I'm going to tell you the hard stuff. I'm going to bring it all to the table because I want it to benefit, enrich you. Because I actually care about your spiritual life and about how you're doing with the Lord. It's always a challenge for me, and I'm sure for you. Do I really care about your spiritual life? This is my role as a shepherd. But just as a normal man, one who's trying to follow Jesus Christ, do I really care? And when I don't, it's like, Lord, help me to care. Because for some reason right now, I just don't. Let's just be honest, right? And so Paul is laying out, I care about your spiritual life. I want to bring you that which is beneficial, profitable to you. That it would mold you into the Christ-likeness. Into Christ-likeness. The word is simphero. Has the idea of bringing together. Simphero. Profitable. You're all these beautiful instruments. And I want to bring you together so there's an incredible symphony that makes beautiful music under the Lord. This is where you're at your best. When we play together and there is a symphony, a masterpiece. This is all you were intended to be. I'm going to keep proclaiming to you that which is profitable. So you're going to be all that you're intended to be, to benefit and to grow you up in your spiritual life. 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture God breathed and is profitable, useful for what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. All Scripture, that doesn't just mean some of it, all Scripture is useful, it's profitable. So like I talked about last week, when we come alongside people to encourage them, encourage them in the Word and with the Word. Because it's God-breathed. And I reminded you, it's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. We can offer some wise words after we offer the scriptures. So bring this. I did not set my sail down. I didn't stow it away. I always lived full sail, house to house, in public and house to house. And basically it's the idea, I'm the same person in both. I'm living full sail gospel when I'm teaching in a public arena and I'm living in your house and I'm with you, very pastoral. I'm teaching the same stuff. I'm trying to edify you and build you up. I'm the same guy in both arenas. You know this of me, Paul's saying. You know how I was with you. And I brought full sail gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent. Repent, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Guess what? You shall be saved. And now that you're saved, and now that you believe, come and let me teach you about your faith. This is what it means like to look to look and live in the life of the resurrected Jesus. 
I was full sail all the time, drawing people into relationship with Jesus, calling them to repentance. For those who were Christians, hey, stop sinning. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Guess what? He forgives you. And now he wants to help you to live for him. So he does that constantly, full sail. And this gospel I spoke to Jew and to Gentile. It's for everybody. For God so loved just Cole Community Church. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jew and Gentile, everybody has an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. For God so loved, here's the truth, you. Me. And he spoke this gospel. And then he goes on talking to the elders and saying, listen, I want you to understand how I'm living now in full sail gospel and what God is doing with me now, verse 22. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. My sail is up. And now here comes the wind of the Holy Spirit that's going to lead me. I'm going to Jerusalem. The idea of constrained by the Spirit, what does that mean? As we talked about in our growth group, they're saying, well, is it being held back? It actually has the idea of being tied to or bound to the Holy Spirit. I am constrained. I'm tied to him. Wherever he's going, I'm going. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The wind is filling my cell, and I'm going to go where the Holy Spirit is taking me. I'm constrained by him. And look at this radical trust in these next verses, 22 and 23. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions, they await me. Well, that's good news. Here's the deal. When we start to recognize this and as we read this, it's usually at this point, here's what we do. We let our sail down. We're going to stow that away. We don't want the Holy Spirit to take us there. What? To affliction and suffering and trial? You know what we usually do at this point? We sell the boat and we get another boat that has a motor on it. (laughs) Because with a motor, we can control the direction that we're going. That's what we do. Isn't it a radical trust? A beautiful obedience? I'm tied with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. I'm constrained. And His wind is going to take me to Jerusalem. And it's going to take me into suffering and affliction. But I trust my God. He doesn't know exactly what it's going to look like. But He knows His God. His God is faithful, always. His God is good, always. Jesus is with me in the boat, just like he was with the disciples. And he will lead me through the storm that's coming ahead. You know why? I know that because he's done it before. Man, I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. Are you kidding? My God has delivered me through that. And he's been glorified in that. And so I trust him that even though I'm going to go through some of this stuff, I trust him in that. 
a radical obedience. He has, in his life, really shifted priority and value. He understands what his life is all about. Look at verse 24. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish the course, the race, and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, I can go full sell into Jerusalem. Why? Because I know my purpose and I know who I am in the mix of all of this. You see, it's not about me, Paul is saying. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. My sole purpose in my life, Paul is saying, is to glorify Jesus. That's a challenge to all of us, isn't it? When I read this passage, I'm like, man, Lord, forgive me. I'm not living even half sail. That I wake up in the morning and go, man, I want you to be glorified today. I do that sometimes, but quite honestly, not most of the time. Again, I'm just thinking about Richie. How's Richie doing today? Paul's, I'm full sail. I know who I am in the mix. My life is yours. I want to make you known with all of my life, with word and with deed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I'm not going to shrink away from that. And so I go full sail. I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. Do you realize that as followers of Jesus Christ? That you're not your own anymore? You are bought with a price, the blood of Jesus And Paul lives in this radical obedience, a desire that his life reflects God in everything that he does, in all of his word and deed. A life in Christ looks like an amazing surrender to him, that we're living in obedience to him, radical obedience. In our growth group, we talked about this. What does it look like to live in a a radical obedience to Jesus today, where we reflect him and his character That when people watch us in our lives, they go, man, that's nothing but something that's from God, from heaven above. And we talked about one of the things that we can do that's totally contrary to the world is that we truly can forgive one another. If the world is wronged, what do they do? They attack back. They attack back. And a lot of times in our flesh, guess what? We want to attack back. Somebody does something wrong to us, We attack back. But what's a radical obedience living today in this world? Truly forgiving one another when we're wronged. Releasing that unto the Lord. We've seen in these last weeks this beautiful story about Amber Geiger who shot shot this uh, man... She thought she was in the wrong uh, apartment, or that he came into the wrong apartment, and she shot and killed him. And she was sentenced uh, to jail, 10 years. And in the courtroom, and many of you have seen this, but Brant Jean, who was, who was the brother of this young man who was killed, Brant's only 18 years old, and he had his victim impact statement. And while he's talking about his brother who was taken away from him, 
He said to the judge, I care for this woman, and if she, if she is asking for forgiveness, I want to extend that forgiveness to her, and I forgive her. And then he asked the judge, he said, can I give her a hug? The judge was a little bit hesitant, but then she finally said yes. And so 18-year-old Brant got up and went over and hugged Amber, and there was tears. The courtroom was silent. And he, says, he said to the courtroom, he said, my only desire for her, I don't really desire that she goes to jail. I desire that she would have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said this in the courtroom. My brother Botham was killed, but I forgive you. And then the judge actually gave her a hug, gave her her Bible. And the whole world, all the news media was blown away by this. What is this act of grace? Where did this come from? How do you do that? It's all through Jesus Christ. He forgave us. And so living in radical obedience is forgiving her. That's full sail living. That my life belongs to him. People know through my life that my life is a pleasing offering, like Romans 12 says. My only desire is to finish this race, a life pleasing to the Lord, to testify of the gospel, the good news of the grace of God, because it's by the grace of God that we have been saved, and that is through faith. Not through works so that any of us can boast. We are saved because of the grace of God. Amber Geiger, if she surrenders her heart to Jesus, shall be saved. That's not fair. She's a murderer. So was Paul. So are you and me in my heart sometimes. Living a radical life of radical obedience. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. I have taught you and I have shared full sail the gospel so that you may know Jesus. I've done everything that I can do. And now I'm passing the baton on to you, elders, to keep teaching the gospel, to not shrink back from exhorting and training up and teaching in righteousness pointing people to Christ, helping people to live in a a radical trust and obedience to Jesus. My hands are clean. I've shared the whole gospel. I didn't shrink away from any of this. I care for the souls of men and women. I've been sold out for Jesus. And I can stand before the Lord with a pure heart, going, humanly possible, I've done everything I've been called to do. That's convicting to me. It's like, man, Lord, what am I doing with my life? I have continued to do this. I did not shrink, verse 27, from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I brought you the whole picture, the complete picture. I didn't hold anything out. I didn't take anything out. I didn't just make it easy for you. We talked about sin. We talked about how to have life. We talked about where you're living in destructive ways. 
We talked about what the scripture says about these things. We talked about our holy God that we think is just buddy Jesus. We talked about it all. I did not shrink away from proclaiming to you the whole council. In 1982, Reader's Digest version came out with a version of the Bible fully condensed. They cut out a ton of it because they wanted to make it easier for people to know the Bible. And so they spent three years, seven different editors. John Walsh led this thing. In the beginning, the Bible had, their uh, Revised Standard Version, had 850,000 words. By the time they were done with it, they cut out 40%, 510,000 words of the Scriptures. I mean, thank goodness, they left the Ten Commandments in there, and they liked Psalm 23, so they kept that in there. That was good. The Lord's Prayer, that's a good one, let's keep that in there. But by the end, 50% of the Old Testament was out, 25% of the New Testament. They didn't change any of the words of Jesus, but they took out 10% of his words. And they said, we're so happy we got this done because it's going to make it easier to stay with and appreciate the Bible. Paul is saying, I didn't hold back anything. The whole entire, the whole purpose or design of what God has for us, I didn't hold it back. This is why we, at Cole Community Church, this is why we go book by book, verse by verse, expository teaching, New Testament, Old Testament. We want you to understand the full counsel of our Lord. And what He has to say and what he's teaching us, we're not just going to pull out the easy verses. Some churches just teach New Testament. Oh my goodness, are you kidding? There's so much of Jesus in the Old Testament and what he has for our lives. Nothing hidden. We're dedicated as elders here to declare the whole council like Paul. And that's this next section. How do we live full sail together? How do we live as children of God? He's been talking about that. This is what it looks like to surrender and to live in obedience and teaching the truth and coming alongside and being in community. But you elders now, he's going on, this is how you need to live full sail gospel. Full sail shepherds in the middle of this. You need to keep bringing the word of God. You need to be on watch on what's going on. Let me show you our elders here. I don't know if you know all of our elders, but we have a picture of our elders. These are, these are the men in this church who, who just radically love you. And you need to know that. And we care deeply for your souls. And when we read scriptures like this, this is a calling and a challenge to us as elders of this church. And so I want you to... If you'll keep this picture up here, I want you to look at these men as you hear about the charge upon us as elders and what it was for the Ephesian elders. Be careful. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. My goodness, the weight I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things and will draw away disciples after them. This is Paul's charge upon the elders. 
in Ephesus and now upon us as we desire to shepherd. First, it says, pay attention to yourselves, dear elders. And so all of us have to take a look at ourselves. And together, like Paul called them in the community, we live in community. We live in accountability to one another. There's a plurality of leadership. There's no one of these men that there's a hierarchy here. We all are surrendered and submitted unto our chief shepherd, Jesus. And together we seek his will, his mind for this church. This is who we are as elders. And we often have to take a look at ourselves. Actually, pretty much all the time. Our sin, our pride. Is there any desire to gain power or to have an agenda? And I'm just telling you right now, that just doesn't exist in this elder council. I will also tell you it did exist way in the past when I started here lots of years ago. There was agenda all over the place. And God has really sharpened us and he's dealt with our sin and our pride. And I love these men. They are humble men seeking after the heart of God. And I need you to be praying over us all the time as we try to care for your souls, as we try to to lead this church submitted to Christ. You need to pay careful attention, guard against what's going to come against the church. Realize your place in this. The Holy Spirit has placed you in this eldering role. And care for the church. That word care for the church actually has the idea of feed the church, lead the church to pasture where they can enjoy a time of feeding upon the word of God. Care for it. I feel like I'm reminded of of Peter on the beach with Jesus. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And we as elders and pastors in this church, we are devoted to feeding the sheep. We always, again, will want to bring you the whole counsel of God. We want you to know this truth. We're dedicated to the study of the word of God so that we can bring that to you and feed you his truth and his life in this church. He's placed this most beautiful possession, his flock, under our care. And we go, Lord, help. Help us to lead and love well. You know, on Monday nights, we meet twice a month on Monday nights, three to four hours. And you know what we do most of the time? We pray most of the time. And we talk about you individually. Who needs prayer? What's going on in lives? We talk about the ministries that are going on. We talk about the pastors, how are they doing? We pray over people who come to us who say, I need healing, I need you to pray over me just for my body is broken. Would you pray over us? And we do that often. We study the word together. And then we spend a fraction of time on just logistics and administrative stuff. That's who we are as elders. And we want you to pray with us. Because we are weak, frail men who are just men but we're men who are seeking after the Lord. Be prepared together. Be ready together. As you go and you shepherd this flock, because fierce wolves are going to come in, and they're going to want to destroy, and they're going to want to attack. Be shepherds who stay shepherds. There's a leaning, there's, there's words that come out of Ezekiel 33 and 34 where the watchmen didn't watch. And the shepherds didn't shepherd. And God places a serious judgment upon that. And we feel, as elders, the weight of that. 
God's serious about this role of caring for you spiritually. And so pray for us. But I want you to know we are dedicated to living full sail as shepherds. We are constantly seeking the Lord in this church. And this passage this morning is about rising up, setting up your sail, have it ready to receive the wind of the Holy Spirit. And may we live in this beautiful obedience and trust of the Lord, going full sail for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you again will do your amazing work in us. That you will stir us up where we're lazy or just we don't think about what you have for us for the day. Lord, we want to be full sail. We want, we want to, to step into this radical obedience of following you, living for you, that your gospel is out there, that who you are and how to live in Christ, Father, we, we want to keep proclaiming that to one another and strengthening each other, building up one another. So, Father, we surrender all this to you. Fill our sail full of you. In your precious name, amen.